Hi, this is Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is parenting expert Sue Atkins. Sue is based in the UK and has an international following. She's also the author of Parenting Made Easy, How to Raise Happy Children. Hello, Sue, and welcome to Family Confidential. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure for me to follow your work uh, all these years on Twitter and now to have an opportunity to actually talk to you in uh, real time, ask you some questions. I wanted to talk about discipline. And what's interesting to me is that this trend of parenting that's probably been going on for the last 20 years, probably of parents wanting to be friends with their children and what happens to the leadership role of the parent when you are, in fact, buddies with your kid and your kid does something that you're not pleased with. So I know that you talk a lot in in the work that you do about discipline, and mm. I would love to hear what if, if this trend we see about friends, parents, kids all wrapped up together – um, how that affects the role of a parent as a disciplinarian. Well, very interesting topic, because I say all the time to the parents that I work with that, you, you know, your role is to be the parent, not their friend. Now, I've got two teenage children myself. My son is 21, my daughter's 19, and we get on incredibly well. But I don't need to know all sorts of information about what they're getting up to at university. And they don't really need to know some of the things that I'm doing in my life, because we are uh, parent and child relationship, if you like, although it's evolved and changed as they grew and got older. I mean, I'm not still speaking to them as if they're four. And that's where some parents fall down, actually. They speak to their 14-year-old as if they were four. But it's evolved and grown, and I'm there to be their parent, guide them, teach them, discipline them, put boundaries around them, remind them of their values. Mm -hmm. And so I can take that role, and if they step out of that role without being too autocratic, I'm there to be able to remind them, to nudge them, nurture them, push them back in the right direction. Because it, you're not there to be um, your child's friend. Then the boundaries are kind of crisscrossed and you don't quite know where you are. And the child doesn't know quite where they are either. Well, that's a really good point, that idea of boundaries. And when they get slippery and, and fuzzy, then I'm sure kids of any age will start to wonder who's in charge here. Yes, and they can get quite frightened by that because, again, my analogy is that sometimes parents give the keys of the car to the child, but they haven't passed their test yet. So they're actually quite terrified if you give them too much responsibility. And I work with an awful lot of parents going through a divorce because I do something called the one-page profile process. Mm -hmm. And that's when sometimes things can get go a little wrong because, say, the mother is feeling you know, sad, depressed, angry, grief-stricken or whatever, and pours out her heart to her child. Well, that's inappropriate because the child doesn't need you to be their friend at that point. You need to be their mother. So you need to go off and find a friend or a counsellor or whatever you need to fulfil your needs. But don't share some of those emotions with your child. They're not able to handle them and it's inappropriate. Yeah, I understand that very well. I could also understand a scenario that might happen during a divorce where um, one parent doesn't get to see the child as much and um, typically that is the dad and then the dad mm. wants to be, you know, Mr. Entertainment and, yes. and be, you yeah. know, the the dad who is so much fun all the time and then I when know. the kid crosses the line and needs some discipline, dad is not likely to jump in because he doesn't want to upset the child. He probably already feels bad about not being there as often. What do you say well, yeah. to that? 
Well, absolutely. I work with a lot of parents who suffer that big G. I call it the big gremlin of guilt. And, um, <laughs> you, know, you know, again, it can be dad or it can be mum, but it tends to be dad comes in as the superhero taking you out to Disney or taking you out to the park or taking you to, you know, all the lovely things, riding the bicycles. And often mum is left to make you brush your teeth and do your homework. And sometimes kids find that difficult, but that's the role that's difficult for a mother. But that's really the wonderful role, too, because you are doing the nurturing, you're doing the hard stuff. So, yeah, again, if you can at all possibly sort of sing from the same song sheet, which is very difficult once you've divorced, I realise that. But if you can put the child's best needs at the centre and try and keep some sort of consistency, then the child benefits from that and doesn't play one off against the other. Well, that, that is challenging, especially if the parents are angry with each other and they're, oh. in fact, putting the child right in the middle of there. And, and yeah. children, children are very savvy when it comes to mm. playing one off the other, especially if there's something for them personally to, be, to gain from it, mm. like mm. an extra ice cream or getting yeah. to stay up late. Absolutely, or playing on that computer game a bit longer. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, well, Dad lets me do this. Yeah. And, mm, so um, have you had experience counseling parents who who are not, in fact, parenting together anymore, but they need to be co-parenting? Oh, without a doubt, yes. And it's very difficult and challenging. I often work with one of the set of the parents, and all that I can help them do is get back in control of their own discipline, their own rules, their own boundaries. Because when you hand over the child to their dad or the other partner, then you have no control about that. And how you react to that is a blueprint for setting up dignity and respect going forward for the, for the child to see you handle that. So it takes an awful lot of maturity for the adult um, that is not enjoying the other parent's way of doing things to bite their tongue. But if you can bite your tongue at all and just focus on yourself and the boundaries and the rules that you want to set for your child and not enter into a slagging match, because long term, don't forget, that parent is still the child's father or the child's mother. Yeah. So you don't want to damage that respect and that love. Well, well, you would hope you would not want to damage it, but sometimes what I hear, it almost seems as if the other partner the ex-partner wants to damage that oh you go through a phase I mean I'm actually going through a divorce myself and I remember it's you know you call it the crazy time because you go through grief you go through anger incandescent anger you go through sadness you go through acceptance you feel lost and it's not linear it's not like a broken arm um, it, it's three steps forward and two steps back. But over the period of time, particularly when I work with my clients over a six-week period, I have a divorce course, um, you can see them sort of flowing in and out of that and hopefully then coming and healing through that process. But you can't, you can't um, say it's going to take two weeks. And if you do find yourself sitting in that anger, uh, anger is a normal reaction. Yeah. It's a healthy reaction, but it's what you do with that anger that's important. So don't, if you can, slag off your ex. Uh, try very hard not to show that. Go off and have a glass of wine with your friend and probably let rip, but not in front of your child if you can. Yeah. And I know that's easier said than done. But if you can take the long-term view and not the short-term incandescent anger, then everybody will come through this process less damaged. Yeah, I like that point, less damage, because there is some damage to be had, and we need to be realistic about that. Um, I'd like to switch gears a little bit from, from divorce to disciplined teenagers. This is a difficult kind of a thing for 
intact families, for single parent families, you might expect that your compliant child who was always so obedient and willing to um, do what you said because they wanted your approval, all of a sudden, it seems all of a sudden, and mm. it seems around here in the States that something happens during the summer between fifth and sixth grade when the child is yeah. around 11 years old yeah. and then they go to school again and all of a sudden they are almost unrecognizable to their mm. parent in terms of this attitude mm. and uh, like, you don't, I don't need to listen to you. Um, mm. Yeah, that. Yeah, and so I'm wondering if you can give us maybe three tips for parents whose whose children are just entering this new tween age, starting middle school as we have around 11 years old, where all of a sudden the kid seems to feel that he or she knows much better about what they need than you do. Yes. Well, I always say to the parents I work with, it's your attitude that has to change. And it's, uh-huh. they take their lead from you. Uh, if you expect them to be stroppy, difficult, challenging, rude, and all the rest of it, then they will. And if you start looking for that, you're going to find it. And you're going to find it all the time. And I know that with my own children. And I have to take a, a physical step back. I, I do something called press your pause button, which is like an imaginary DVD remote control. <laughs> and you press it. You physically take a step back because it detaches you from the situation. Take a breath and then ask yourself a question. You do this all very quickly. You ask yourself the question, is what I'm going to say now or do now going to bring me closer to or further away from my child long term? Because you could actually fall out with them all the time. And I found I was falling out with my daughter a great deal because she had a very, very untidy bedroom. And it was driving me mad. And the relationship genuinely was suffering. And I did the step back. I had to sit back and say, okay, what do I need about this? Does it really matter in the fullness of time in the next 10 years whether she's actually got an untidy bedroom, but we've got a great relationship? So we compromised. And I said to her that every Saturday by midday, I needed her in tidied up, you know, hoovered, dusted, clothes off the floor, makeup back in the drawer or whatever. And we kind of stuck to that. And once she started you know, doing that, I thanked her and the relationship improved. So you've got to think about it as, you know, you've got to not really fight all the battles. You've got to try and win the war. They have to have boundaries. But if you have too many, then they feel very restricted. It's like toddlers, really. They're struggling for independence. And so I remember my own son, he said at school, um, you know, uh, his, the, the boy's parents weren't religious. Guess what? The teenager got God and got religious because it was the one way to get at the parents. So if you just see it really as just a, a taller version of your toddler and how you handled that, <laughs> it helped. The other thing is to let it go over your head, uh, a bit like the um, an aeroplane flying over your head. I have a rude version of that, but that's the clean version where it goes over your head. Sometimes you just have to let what they say just go over your head. And when you speak to them sometimes, you just turn your face and you put your heart to them. They don't even know you're doing that. But you come from a place of love and just sometimes allow what they want to vent and let it go. And then you find sometimes and look for what they get right. Look at them struggling for independence. Look how good they are at swimming or whatever their activities are and start focusing on what they get right rather than this constant battle of what they get wrong. Wow. I'm loving what I'm hearing you say, especially putting your heart towards the child and they are still your child and, Ah, and 
the idea that instead of facing them with anger and mm-hmm. and opposition, mm-hmm. you you consciously turn your heart toward them. I think that is so wonderful because obviously that's going to remind you yes. what the connection is. You are not adversaries. This is yes. you, this is your child. You want your best your best self to face mm. your child. Lovely, mm. lovely. And, I th- and the other thing I think you've got to have this idea of a team. We called it Team Atkins, if you like. So we are Go part team of Atkins. a team. <laughs> yeah, so we're part of the team. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody has to do their job. They have to empty the dishwasher or put out the dustbin or whatever they do. But let's work together at this. And so the prime thing for me is actually the parent has to do the changing. You can't speak to your 14-year-old as if they are four. So you've got to do some flexibility. And that's really hard for lots of parents that I work with, that shift in mentality. But if you can make it gently, so I'm not saying it's always easy because they're very challenging. They can be very, you know, confrontational and awkward and moody. Yeah. But if you can try, then I think you'll see the improvement in the relationship and take that long-term view rather than the short-term. And, and be patient with yourself. Yes, exactly. I agree. Yeah. Really, truly. Yeah. Hard because sometimes yeah. we set very high standards for ourselves. Okay, I've got, I've got Sue's tips here, and you know, I'm going to turn my heart to my child. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to let things roll off. I'm going to, and then your buttons get pushed, and there you are back again in that place that I call it the ugly mommy place, where mm. where you're not really pleased if you saw a video of yourself at that mm-hmm. moment, you'd go, oh yeah. my goodness, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. I actually mm. spoke in that tone of voice to my child. So we need to be patient with ourselves because we're only human as well. Oh, absolutely. And that's why you need to have a bit of me time where you go off and have some fun for yourself, get away, recuperate, rethink, have a break. So you come back refreshed. And I have a technique I teach my parents to imagine they have a camcorder on their shoulder all the time, a bit like Big Brother over here we have in England, uh, where the camera's following you all the time. Mm-hmm. And the camera's observing, it's not judging, but it's observing what you say, it's observing how you say it, and it's noticing your body language and your tone of voice. And from then, it again detaches you, so you're looking at it from a slightly 3D position, mm-hmm. and then you do a little bit of changing, and hey-ho, guess what, your child changes to and they have the intention of trying to find solutions to the problems rather than constantly getting in that negative nagging kind of mentality yeah it can be a rat race um and i think what you said before about stopping and taking a breath that really i mean you it's it's like you're on a threshold sue and and you know the the angry part inside of you wants to step race into the room and Mm. the other part of you when you take that breath, you go, wait, do I really need to go there right now? And if you can postpone it, yeah, you will think better of rushing in with anger. Great, great advice. Yes, and you will feel more in control of it. And so you can relax a little more knowing you can handle it, you know. Yes, and you're also, I think, role modeling that, that sense of awareness and control for your teenage son or Ab- daughter. Absolutely, yeah. Because really, really. you are, you know, you are their role model, their primary role model, whether you realize it or not. Right. And everything you do sets them up as a blueprint so how you even speak to each other as partners and yes. husbands and wives, yes. um, that is a blueprint too. Everything we do, 
we are modeling for our kids. Not to put too much pressure on our job here, but they are always watching, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, before I wrap up here, um, and thank you very much for your time, I would love to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find out more about the work that you do. Oh, well, my passion is parenting, as you know, from toddler to teen. I specialize in something called a one-page profile, which helps people build their child's self-esteem and their own. And they can find out all about me on uh, thesueatkins.com, where I blog every day, or I've got loads of free resources, loads of uh, MP3 downloads, and loads of books. I'm just passionate about parenting. And it's not about finger-pointing or judging. It's about empowering parents to be the best they can be. Great. Thanks again for all the work you do, Sue. It's an, it's an honor to talk to you. My very great pleasure. It was lovely speaking to you, Annie, too. Keep up your great work, too. Thank you. Bye. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my book, Teaching Kids to Be Good People, Progressive Parenting for the 21st Century. And tune in next week when my guest will be Natalie Cutler-Welsh, author of the parenting book, If Only They'd Told Me. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.